This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this Sunday as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we gather for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost with our special guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. Victoria Hart Gaskell. Victoria serves as the minister for visitation. We gather today to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
earnestly repent of their sins and live, seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sins before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory, Glory to God. God. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ is always with you. And also with you. Let us offer one each other signs of peace and reconciliation. Open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 32, through chapter 11, verse 1. But recall those earlier days when, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Do not, therefore, abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. 
but my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back and so are lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lesson from the second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we as ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me now in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 107 with the Antiphon. Praise the Lord, 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 Lord. 
give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wander in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Please rise as you are able for the reading of the or singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> Last Sunday, we explored one interpretation of the title phrase for our summer preaching series, Faith in Community. We considered belief and trust in the idea of community itself. 
that is broadly, belief in the idea of the unity of a body of people that share something in common. Interests, location, characteristics, beliefs, and or culture. This week, as was said, we'll explore faith in community, the ways in which faith is lived out in community both by the individuals in it and by the community altogether. Our English word faith comes from the Latin, through Old French, and carries the connotations of trust in someone or something. The Greek word faith in the New Testament, the noun, also carries the connotation of trust. And the verb to have faith means also to trust, have confidence in, to be assured of. Perhaps the most well-known Christian definition of faith comes from the early church in today's lesson from the book of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith for the author of Hebrews is not some wishful thinking or pie in the sky. Assurance and conviction are solid words. You can get a hold of them. They are words that ground people. The Hebrews can have the confidence, can be assured that, can trust that, what they hope for in the life of faith will come to pass. In fact, even if they cannot yet see these things, they can be convicted that their faith will be shown to be warranted. This is because they have already suffered and endured challenges and have been brought through them. Their faith has developed through their very real struggles and God's own trustworthiness in their lives. In spite of the challenges they have and will continue to face, they can live as individuals and as a community full of faith. They can be faithful. So how do individuals and communities live out their faith? For one thing, they live their faith as inextricably intertwined. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. Even appointed hermits or solitaries are connected not just to their communities, but are engaged with the wider world as well, as was Thomas Merton with his writing, and as is Anna Zilberg with her knitting. The founder of my own faith tradition of Methodism, John Wesley, describes the process of growth in faith as, there is no holiness but social holiness. Social holiness is often interpreted by present-day Methodists to refer solely to the works of social justice. It does in part have that connotation in the sense that all social relations have that component to consider. But the term social holiness, as used by Wesley, means holiness practiced in a social context of the individual active in an active community. Other people are necessary to our growth in faith as we are necessary to their growth. We make our own personal practices of prayer, 
study, and worship large in our own lives. We regularly set aside time, put post-it reminders on the bathroom mirror, and so on. And we do this not just so that we ourselves can become more faithful, but because as we bring our learnings and experiences to the group, we encourage each other and help to increase each other's growth in faith. Likewise, when as the community we pray, study, and worship together, and experience together the grace and nourishment of the sacraments, we enjoy each other's company, recognize that God loves each one of us and all of us together, realize that we are not alone in our joys and our challenges, and we have the opportunity to experience a reality that is greater than the sum of its parts. Going further, each Christian community is part of the great community of the Church. The Church is the body of Christ. We ask to be this body for the world at every communion. Jesus and the early church saw both individuals and their local faith communities as engaged in a much larger context. While there are many mentions of how this church might be lived into by individuals and communities, I would like to focus on three this morning that are seen to be common ways and even expectations as to how individuals and communities are to live out their faith in the world. The first is something that we talked about last week, Jesus' new commandment to his disciples that they love one another as he has loved them, so that by this love everyone will know that they are his disciples. Jesus loved his disciples through his example, teaching, ministry, death, and resurrection. The kind of love that Jesus exemplifies empowers individuals and the unity that the gathered body of Christ has together in their shared interests and experiences. And this kind of love is not just to help individuals and local communities grow in faith, but it is also to empower change in the world in works of mercy and justice. Jesus' disciples are to become a worldwide movement. He tells them, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now we have to be very careful here. The history of Christianity is one of colonization, exploitation, religious and cultural destruction, and forced conversion, as well as of love. In light of this history, and in the context of Jesus' commandment to love one another as he has loved us, a useful guideline to help interpret this passage comes from Professor Daniel Jayaraj, a theologian of world Christianity from India. At a Costas consultation on global Christianity a number of years ago, he said that our job as Christians was not to convert others, but we are to welcome those who the Holy Spirit 
had invited to join us. And then we help them become mature disciples through baptism and teaching. In other words, disciples will come from all nations and not all nations nor all the people in them will become disciples. They will come as the Holy Spirit invites them and as they see our love and our welcome. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, a city rather like Boston in its position in the empire and diversity of population. Paul puts all this in the context of a ministry of reconciliation. In love, God has reconciled Christians to God's own self, and so to their own selves, and to their neighbors in a new creation. Individuals are no longer regarded from a human point of view, but from God's point of view. And the communities of which they are a part are no longer regarded from a human point of view, but as individuals and communities to be loved and reconciled as Christians and Christian communities as they also were loved and reconciled by God. We live out our faith as individuals and communities as ambassadors for Christ to other people. We make God's appeal to others through the love and hope we have experienced through our own reconciliation with God, self, and neighbor. Or as D.T. Niles, the great evangelist from India, described it, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. It is by our living out our faith as individuals and communities in love, in welcome and hospitality, and in reconciliation with God, self, and neighbor, that we have assurance that the things that we hope for will come about, that we have the conviction that the things we cannot yet see will manifest. Now, sometimes this living out of faith is itself a challenge. Depending on the day, the pricks and frictions of living together, even with those we love and respect, can seem more than we can deal with. Sometimes our love, our welcome and hospitality, our ministry of reconciliation can seem weak and worn. This weekend is a case in point. When idolatry continues to ignore or accept as a given the increasing tragedies of mass gun violence, such as occurred and is occurring in El Paso. Sometimes greed and corruption seem overwhelming in the horrific consumption of other human beings and of the planet. Sometimes our pain and frustration tempt us to isolate ourselves, numb out, or choose other unwise ways to cope. The lives of Jesus and the early church acknowledge the challenges and trials of the life of faith. And paradoxically, they declare that it is in meeting and surviving the challenges and trials with faith that they are overcome. Because as individuals in community, we do not meet and survive these challenges and trials alone. In the life of faith, as individuals active in an active community, 
we grow in faith and so grow in hope and confidence. We live as though what we do actually matters because it actually does. Faith changes us and changes the communities of which we are a part and changes the world. Faith without works is dead and the living out of our faith is the great work of all the church. The great question of that work is, what matters to us enough that we love it, welcome it into our lives, do not regard it from a human point of view, but from God's point of view, want to bring the people or situations to reconciliation, want to see realized hope for it. When we answer the question of what matters to us, individuals and communities, and begin to live out our faith as the church with intention around the answer, then the world does change toward hope and new life. Amen. We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. 
We are grateful to the many preachers who have participated in our summer series thus far this summer and look forward to welcoming Dean Hill back to the pulpit for the next two Sundays, August 11th and 18th, before the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, our Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry, rounds out our summer series uh, at the end of the month. We come to the communion table at the, in the second part of the service this morning. We invite you to receive wine in the chalice on the pulpit side, grape juice in the chalice on the lectern side, and for those who would like to partake, there is a healing prayer station under the first window in the front of the sanctuary after you have received the elements. We encourage you to keep an eye to the chapel website where all of our upcoming services and activities for the impending semester will be posted as they, uh, as they are finalized, uh, as well as our term book, which is in the final stages of production, will be posted there as well. You can see that at bu.edu chapel, along with the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate upon William Byrd's setting of the anthem Ave Verum Corpus. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious, loving, and holy God, accept these our gifts of money, symbol of our time, our talent, our resources, and our life energy. Accept also these our gifts of grain and grape, product of earth and air, fire and water, the life energy of plants and animals and humans. Bless and multiply them that your work of love and justice may continue in this world, and that we may truly be the body of Christ in all ways. In the name of Jesus and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Dearly beloved, the Lord is with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit moved over the face of the waters. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. The Spirit came upon, among, the Spirit came upon prophets and teachers, anointing them to speak your word. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, and giving voice to all creation, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. Likewise, after supper, he took a cup, 
And when he had given thanks, he gave the cup to his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is the sign of a new covenant, sealed with my blood, for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Each time you drink this, remember me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out the Holy Spirit on us gathered here, and on these gifts of grain and grape. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood and empowered by the gifts and love of the Spirit. By the Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, showing forth the fruit of the Spirit until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through the Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your servant church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, beloved, with the confidence of the children of God, we are bold to say, Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of the Holy Spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Now, beloved, let us go from this place in peace to live out our faith as individuals, as active members in active community, and in the larger world that so desperately needs love and welcome and hospitality and reconciliation. In the name of that God who makes us, who loves us, and keeps us in everything. Amen. <laughs>